The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the new year, but we're not going to talk about the new year the way you might think. We're going to talk about the new year in service and really kind of making that a a priority. And if you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, uh, that's where we'll be. And a a story is told of a, a Roman aqueduct uh, over in Spain, and, and uh, I think you probably know what an aqueduct is, but if you, if you don't, it carries water. And uh, it was built in 109 A.D., and for 1,800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot, dry, thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from its flow. And then came a new generation... And this new generation said, this aqueduct is so great, it's such a great marvel, that I think it should be preserved for our children as a museum piece. And we shall re, uh, relieve it of its, its century-long labor. So they said, we're going we're gonna to reserve this, we're going to set it aside, we're going to try to use it as a museum piece. And they did, and modern iron pop pipes were installed, and they uh, gave the ancient bricks a... A, uh, a rest, they, uh, the, the bricks and the rocks and the mortar that had carried water all those years. Uh, and because of that, the aqueduct began to fall apart. And uh, the sun was beating down on the bricks and on the mortar. And, and uh, this rest that they thought they were giving it was causing it to decay. And uh, because the mortar dried, it crumbled, the bricks and the stone began to sag and threaten to fall. And this statement was made about that. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. Now, I think that's a great statement. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. And, you know, when we think about service in the church and we think about our service to the Lord, there's a couple of issues that come up with that. And and the first issue is this. A lot of times it's an individual problem. It's an individual situation. There's many Christians that's placed themselves upon a shelf and they... They're kind of now in the same condition as this Roman aqueduct. They're, they're just kind of dried up and falling apart because it's kind of the ideal of, well, somebody else can do that or let, let someone else handle that and, and I'm just here. The, the other part of the equation is it's a collective problem as a result of individuals who, who neglect to serve as a result of those things. Many churches become museum pieces. They're just there. They just go through the motions. They're, they're irrelevant in the communities. Now, let me say something. I don't think we're there. I'm not saying this morning that we're in that situation, that we've become irrelevant in our communities, that we're a museum piece. I don't think that at all. I think we have a lot of ministries in this church. I think we do a good job of missions and reaching out. But I want us to think about this morning, our individual service in 2017, what we're looking at ahead of us. And if you would, join me there in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be in verse 4. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Now, we're going to read 4 through 13, but I'm not going to read those. You can read those as I, as I speak this morning. But we're going to start there about Paul. And Paul, uh, in Romans, compares the church to a body. And as he does that, the human body uh, really is a great illustration of the workings and the plan and the potential of the church. 
And I think Paul understood that through the direction of the Holy Spirit. And our service to one another is a priority. And the, the first thing this morning, I guess we'd say my first point, is the unity in Christian service. The unity of all of us in Christian service. And we see that in verse 4. Paul says, just as each of us have one body with many members, he's talking about our physical bodies. Each of us have one body, we have many members, and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. In Christ, we who are many, and this is not just East Delta Baptist Church, this is all Christians, but... Paul is talking here, and we're talking this morning about East Delta Baptist. And, and in Christ, we have, we have many members and one body. So I got to thinking about that, and, and verse 4 really illustrates what Paul is talking about. He says, we have, we have many members in one body, and all members don't have the same purpose. Now, in that illustration, he, again, he's talking about our physical body. So what I did is something I shouldn't have. I went on the computer and I looked up the human body. And, and I'm going to say, I can't even say some of these things because I don't know how to pronounce them. Do you want to pronounce them? She worked in medical records for several years, so uh, she can correct me later. There's 15 different systems that make up our body. There's a cardiovascular system, the circulatory system, the digestive system, endocrine. See, I knew y'all would know that system. The excretory, E-X-C-E-R-E-T-O-R-Y system. Oh, Emily, you ought to be doing this. The immune system, the I-N-T-E-G-U-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y system, the lymphatic system, the muscular system, the nervous system, the reproductive system, the respiratory system, the skeletal system, the urinary system, and the sensory system. All of those, we all have those in our bodies, all of those things, and, and they're all working together for one common purpose. They all work individually, they all work independently, but they all also work for, for our body to function properly. And Paul is saying these things, and he's, he's wanting us to think about that. How many things in your physical body are working, even right now, how many things are working individually, but they're functioning so the whole body works correct? <coughs> well, this morning we're going to breathe in some air and it's going to go into our lungs and our heart's going to pump it all around and it's going to take oxygen to all of our body and then we're hearing and we're seeing and all of those things, though they may work individually, working for the good of the body. So Paul says, hey church, in the same way, in verse 5, so it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. And, and unity that Paul's talking about in the church is not a unity of just getting along. I mean, I think we probably all get along with each other pretty much. And pretty much all the time we get along with, along with each other. But, but Paul is talking about more than getting along. He's talking about us serving in a specific purpose within the church. So Paul says, hey, just like your body <coughs> is one body, has many functions, so is the church. We're one body. We are a body of believers here this morning. But in this body of believers, we have many functions. We have many, many different parts. It's amazing how our bodies work. 
I mean, we wake up in the middle of the night and we hear a noise and, and we're going to go check it. And, uh, and we get up stumbling through the dark and somebody's left a, <coughs> a toy there or somebody's moved the furniture. Our furniture's been moved since Christmas. And we kick our little toe on the side of the bedstead or the side of the couch or we step on a dog toy. <coughs> Not what we say, but what do we do? It hurts our whole body, doesn't it? I mean, everything hurts. You, you, you bend over and you grab your toe and you go back to the bedroom and, and everything's hurting. And even though we don't, we don't talk about our little toe much, that, that one little thing in our body affects the whole rest of our body. I mean, the little toe. Have you ever heard of anyone getting plastic surgery to make their little toe look better? No, we don't do that because we just disregard it. But if that little toe is affected, you know what it even affects our balance? So it's important for the whole body, even the parts that we think, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't have much need. I don't see what, 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 what good is working in that. I think sometimes we as Christians, we feel the same way. Well, I'm just a little part of that church. But if you take one little part away, it affects the whole body. And that's what Paul is telling us. So he gives us an illustration, then he gives us the explanation. <coughs> in verse 5, so we, being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. When we come together, we are members of one another. You know, if you're saved, if you're a born-again Christian, don't look over at somebody and go, oh, that person, they're part of your body. They're part of who you are in Christ. And, and think about how it works, and think about how our, our body all comes together, these, these very uh, uh, various components, and they work seamlessly together. Back to our physical body. Take eating, for example. We smell some food cooking. Boy, it smells good. And, and then we begin to get an appetite for that. And then we go and we, we walk with our feet to the kitchen and we use our hands to gather up food and, and we get the desired portion and we use our fingers to hold the utensils and, and we use our arms to move our food back and forth to our mouth and we use our mouth to chew up the food and our teeth and, and our taste buds to taste the food, all that good home cooking. And then we swallow it down and then a, a whole group of things things that we don't see begins to take place, doesn't it? I mean, it begins to break that food down and send vitamins here and different things here. And, and all of those things, the things we hear, see, smell, touch, and, and then things behind the scenes are always working. And that's the way Paul says we as a church are. And he does these things. God gives us all of these gifts that we might build up the body of Christ. That's the whole purpose for us, us having these, these gifts to accomplish one goal. Unfortunately, many have come to believe that, that they can, we, the church can just get along without me. I mean, they can make it. Well, yeah, we can survive if we lose a leg, but it affects the whole body, doesn't it? No longer can we run or jump or do different things. It, it, it affects the whole body. So when we come to that mentality of, of, hey, the church can move on, they can handle things without me, we need to realize we're affecting the whole body. There's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians that parallels this. <coughs> the human body has many parts, but... Oh, this is 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. And when we're going to read down through verse 22... The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. 
So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by the Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. What Paul is telling these folks at Corinth, he says, hey, there's, there's different groups of people, there's different nationalities of people, there's different backgrounds of people, there's kings all the way to slaves, all of these different people. We have one body and we share one spirit. When we talked about eternity, what did we talk about? We have one spirit living within us. Christ says, that's the church, we have one spirit. In verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that, make, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear... How would you smell anything? Verse 18, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if the whole body were just one part. Verse 20, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So, so Paul uses this two different times in Roman, again in Corinthians, talking about every part of the body uh, has a duty and every part of the body comes together for the good of the whole body. And, and if Paul puts this, put it plainly, if you're saved, you're a part of the body. If you're a part of the body, there's a place of service for you. Now here's where I want you to hear it. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a purpose. I, I don't have a purpose in the church. I, I'm here. I, I want to hear God's Word. I want to go in Christ. And, but, but I don't have a purpose. That, that is, you're misguided in your thinking because when you were saved, God has given you a gift of the Spirit. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time here this morning, but you may say, well, I have no idea what my gift is. Well, I'm going to give you some scriptures here in just a moment, and then uh, at some point in the future, we may go back and do another spiritual gift inventory. We've done that here at the church before. It's a Bible study that you can go through, and it asks you a lot of questions, and you kind of begin to figure out, hey, this is where my interests are, and and you begin to realize this is where God has given me a, a gift. But if you're saved, you've been saved, you've been given a gift, and the reason God gave you that gift was for the body of Christ and the body of Christ that we might build up the kingdom of God. See how that plan all comes together just like in our bodies? So God has given you a gift, He's he's given you a body, He's given you a purpose, and sometimes we like to stand back and watch. During the American Revolution, a man in, in civilian clothing rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small, uh, a small break in the defensive barriers. This guy was just in everyday clothes. He rides by uh, this group, and, and the leader is shouting instructions, but he's making no attempt to help them. Asked by the rider why, he reported with great dignity, Sir, I'm a corporal. The stranger apologized, he dismounted, he proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. The, then the job, the, the job was done, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come again to help you. 
Now, that's a true story. That was George Washington. And he said, next time you don't have enough men, come get me, the commander-in-chief. And, and some churches serve like consultants. We, we have folks in the church that, that like to sit back and say, hey, we need to do this and do that, and, and I don't like this, and we shouldn't be doing that. And, and they, just, they just sit on the horse and yell out ideals. You know, we talked about this, and, and this is kind of how our clothing ministry was born, is, is God gives us an ideal. Don't come to everybody and say, hey, we need to be doing this. Come to everybody and say, hey, God gave me this, and we're gonna, I'm going to start putting this together. See, that's how God works. He gives us a, an idea. We begin to pray about it. We begin to cultivate it. It begins to grow. And instead of just shouting out orders, we say, you know what? This is a ministry God has given me. And I'm going to start using it, and I'm going to start putting it into play because God has given me this ideal. He's given me the gifts and the resources, and I'm going to come together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and this person is a good organizer, and this person is a good leader, and this person does a good job with outreach, and let's all get together, and and let's see what God can do through this. That's how He works through us. But sometimes we like to just sit and talk about it. I, I like to watch Andy Griffith, and I watch it a lot. And I, I was talking about last night, I said, uh, talking about my message, and I said, uh, I may use an illustration tomorrow about Barney. I hope everybody gets it. And Haley said, I used to watch Barney. <laughs> I knew then I didn't have a chance, you know. <laughs> oh, my, I love you, you love me, we're a part of the family, whatever it is, you know. But Barney Fife. <laughs> Not the big purple dinosaur, Barney. Y'all may remember this if you watch much Andy Griffith. Uh, Barney is sitting on the porch after a Sunday dinner, and uh, he says, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll take a nap. And then I'm going to go over to Thelma Lou's and watch some TV. And Andy said, mm-hmm. And Barney said, yeah, I believe that's what I'll do. I believe I'll go home and take a nap. I'm going to go to Thelma Lou's and watch some TV. If you remember that episode, they're working on a guy's car that's wanting out of town fast. And Andy says, hmm. And Barney said, yep, that's the plan. I'm going to go home, take a little nap, go to Thelma Lou's. And, And Malcolm Tucker interrupted. He said, for the love of Mike, man, do it. Do it. Go home. Take a nap. Go to Thelma Lou's. Watch some TV. Just do it. Quit talking about it. Of course, that upset Barney, you know, and it upset Andy. But but sometimes that's what we do. We say, yeah, I think I'm going to take a nap, and I think I want to do this. And, and the next thing you know it, it's 2018. And we say, you know, I had those plans. I had a good plan ahead of me. I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. And I wanted to see our church do this and that. And, and for Pete's sake, do it. Let's get a ball rolling and, and let's see what God has in store for us. Here's my second point. The ability in Christ for our service. In verses 6 through 11, we see there, and I'm not going to read those. You can go and read them. We have the ability to do what God has called us to do. We can accomplish things that may seem impossible because we have the power of God at our disposal. If you today would say, well, those are good ideals, but I don't think I can do those things. Remember, it's not you that's doing them. You're just simply saying, okay, God, I'm available. He's going to give us the power and the resources. That comes to faith. That comes to believing. 
to say, you know what, God has something and I may not can do it, but Peter 4.10, 1 Peter 4.10 says, as every man hath received the gift, so even so minister at the same time to one another as good stewards of the manifold of God's grace. Peter says this, hey, you've got it, be a good steward with it. Just say, God, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to head. And, and then just step back and watch as God begins to open doors. I didn't say go take a nap at Thumb or Lose. I said just sit back and, and keep moving and see how God will begin to open doors. Our abilities are given by God's grace. Verse 6 says, having the gifts differing according to the grace given to us. By His grace, God has given us different gifts. Now, if you go back to verse 3 in Romans chapter 12, listen to what Paul says here. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of yourself more high than you ought to think, but think of yourself soberly according to God, according as God has dealt you every man to the measure of his faith. In other words, he has given us things to do according to our faith through his grace. And when we begin to do those things and we begin to accomplish those things, it's not because of ourself, it's because of God that's working in us. You know what's the good thing about that is? Then God receives the glory for those things. So we're looking in 2017 and realize that God has some plans for us. Paul realized in 1 Corinthians 15, 15 verse 10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And if you're successful in this by the grace of God, if you have been called to do what seems impossible, it's because you are what you are by the grace of God. Paul came to the understanding Here's the third thing. We have, we have a couple of more things, and I'm skipping a little bit there in verses 6 through 10 about serving the Lord, but we have a thing about singing, preaching, teaching, playing instruments, being a leader, being an encourager, all of those different talents and, and things that God has given us. Now, a talent to play a guitar is not a spiritual gift. Okay, so don't say, God, I want a spiritual gift. I'd love to play the piano. That's not a spiritual gift. It's a talent. And you can probably develop that talent if you work hard enough. But God has given some, some spiritual gifts, and, and there's diversity in this gift. That's my third point. The diversity is this. In verses 6 through 8, he lists some gifts there. The first one he lists is prophecy. Now let me tell you right quick, prophecy is not telling the future. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament, they may have come and, and said, hey, this is what is coming, and, and that's not the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is proclaiming God's Word. Uh, preachers, a lot of preachers, and, and I'm not haughty about my gifts, but I, I, I believe I have the gift of prophecy, and that's because of our spiritual inventory we did a few years ago. That, that's just the, 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 the ideal of of, of Proclaiming God's Word. If you go to someone and you, you begin to say, hey, this is what, this is what God's Word says. There's, He'll save us. There's a day coming of judgment. There's going to be the end of this world, a new heaven, a new earth. That's the prophecy, isn't it? That's what the Bible says is going to happen. We're not coming up with it. We're simply proclaiming. So if you're really comfortable with, with telling others, hey, this is what God's done, and here's what the, you may have the gift of prophecy. Here's another gift, ministry. That's simply ministering to others. You, you may have a heart for ministry. You just you like to go and you like to help out and you, 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 just, you just like to, to be a part of, of seeing others grow. That's a gift of ministry. Teaching. You may have the gift of teaching. You may have a talent to teach, but you may have a gift of teaching. 
I believe Doug Wicks has a gift of teaching. I don't know that, but, but I've listened to him teach. He, he's a great teacher, and I believe God has, has given him the gift of teaching. Not to say that there's not others here. I just hadn't heard you, heard you teach before. Encouraging. I, I, God gives us a gift of encouraging. If you're someone who just likes to encourage people, I mean, they're down about something, and, and you just seem like you find yourself always saying, you know what, I, I, things are going to work out, and I was reading the Scripture, and this is what God has said, and I've been in this situation, and this is what happened. You may have the gift of encouraging. Here's another, a gift of giving. That, that's not talking about giving our, our, our resources we have. It's talking about giving our time. It's talking about the, the, the NIV says contributing to the needs of others. You may have a giving heart. I mean, you, you want to be here every time the doors are open and you, you have time, you have talents, you have resources, and, and you're just all about giving and helping out with others. You may have the gift of giving. <coughs> leadership. You know what leadership is? Some people are, not, are natural leaders, aren't they? I mean, some people can step up and say, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, and all of a sudden everybody's following them. They just got a gift of leadership. It's just something that, that people look to and they say, okay, we're going to follow this person. There's, there's a lot of great leaders in this church. I mean, I, I can look, I can see you in your jobs and the situations that you're put in that, that people come to you for leadership. That, that God has given that gift of leadership in the church. Another one is compassion. We have folks in our church that are just compassionate. I mean, they see someone hurting. They see someone, someone with need. They just have compassion for them. That's a spiritual gift. And God says, I've given all of these gifts. He says some gifts over in Ephesians 4.11, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, others pastors, other teachers. No parts of the body are unimportant. God has blessed each of us with a gift. And we're to use that gift. The interesting thing is a lot of times your gift that God has given you, you use it in the church, you also use it in the professional life. I mean, you just realize this is, this is where I am. This is what I do. And, and professionally, you end up using that gift uh, in, your, in your life every day. So God has gifted you, and He wants us to use that gift. So, so we're down to the, the fourth thing, and, and I've got a little time left, so don't worry about that. If you are worried about it, the Cowboys still like 20-something minutes before they kick off. So, and none of the good players are going to play anyway, so you're not going to miss anything. So we've seen the, the unity, we've seen the ability and diversity in Christian service. And here's the last thing, finally, the responsibility in Christian service. Verses 6 through 11. Again, I'm not going to read all those, but there's a responsibility in Christian service. Loyalty is our responsibility. You know, if we're going to use our talents for God's glory, we must be loyal to God, and we must serve Him fervently. In Colossians 3, 23, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not as to men. If you're a teacher, teach with everything you have. I mean, invest some time in studying. When your class comes, if it's two people and if it's 20 people... Teach with everything you have. That's what, that's what Paul says in Colossians. Don't do it as you're serving men. Oh, I've got a Sunday school class. I've got to put something together. Paul says, hey, do this as you're serving the Lord. Teach as if Christ was sitting with you because He is. Teach wholeheartedly. If it's encouraging, encourage with everything you got. I mean, be, a, be an encourager. If it's giving generously, whether it's time, talents, resources, whatever it is, give generously. 
as those you're serving God. If it's leadership, take that responsibility seriously. I mean, if you're leading in a group in this church, be serious about that. You're, you're leading a group of people, whether it's children, whether it's youth, whatever it may be, whether it's a, a Sunday school class, lead seriously in that group. Not as though you're serving men, but as you're serving God. Here's the next one. If, if, it's, if it's compassion, show compassion to all men, whatever your gift is, whatever it may be. You may say, well, I, I'm just a carpenter. How does that fit in? Well, Joseph was a carpenter, wasn't he? That's Jesus' father. I'm just a handyman. You know how bad we need a handyman around here? I mean, there's all time stuff to do. Debbie comes in. Jake, this is done. This is broke. This needs doing. We got folks here that, you know, that's, you just love that kind of stuff. That's just down your, that's right down your street. Get involved. Say, hey, I'd like to be involved in that. That's, that's, that's part of our service. Here's the next thing he, he lists here is love is our responsibility. Verse 9 says, let love be without, with, without error. Let me read that out of the NIV here. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Paul says, don't just pretend to love one another. Really love them. That's our responsibility to love one another. How do we begin to love someone? How did you begin to love your wife? How did you begin to love your husband? Somebody just spit it out. You spent time with them. There's no other way. Even if you're spending time like this, which is horrible, you're at least getting to know them, aren't you? And, and ultimately, at some point, you've got to have physical face-to-face contact, okay? But, but when we begin to spend time with people, we begin to learn about them. Oh, you grew up here. Oh, I know them. Yeah, I knew those people. And, and you begin to put all of those things together. You begin to invest some time in them. They've invested some time in you. And you begin to love that person over time. That's what Christ says. Ultimately, our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the body of Christ, we're to love one another. Folks, we have a lot of opportunities to come together and to get to know one another and sitting down and saying, hey, we had an opportunity last night. I had a good time last night. We came up to the church and uh, there was a handful of us here and we ate together and we sat and talked and played games and, and uh, some of the ladies laid some eggs, it sounded like. I don't know what they were doing, but they were cackling pretty loud. And, and you know what? We got, to, we got to know some things. I got to know some things about Les and his family that I didn't know. And, and uh, we talked to Pat and I learned some things about Haley last night that she don't know who Barney is and, and all of those different things. I told her when she said that, you just made my sermon tomorrow. And she said, no, don't do that. But I said, you're in it. It's already in there. So what I'm saying is you, is you laugh together, you get together, you begin to understand folks, and you begin to love them. That's a great opportunity. Here's the last thing. Laboring is our responsibility. Verse 11, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instantly in prayer, distributing to all necessity of the saints, and giving hospitality. You know what he says here? We're to labor fervent in spirit, not lazy, but working hard, serving the Lord, working enthusiastically, distributing to the needs of the saints. When God's people are in need, we, we need to be ready to help them. That's the ministry of this church. Given to hospitality, that, that's, uh, be eager to practice hospitality. 
You know, in the job that I'm in right now as a supervisor, I have to call folks to come to work sometimes. A lot of times, it's the worst conditions. A lot of times, it's at night, it's on Saturday, it's on Sunday, or even worse, it's on Christmas Day. And you know what? You get all kinds of excuses. Oh, I've got this, or I've got that. And, and, and you get all kinds of excuses. If you've been in that situation, maybe, maybe you've been around that, and you, you realize how many excuses folks can come up with. When it comes to church work, that's the same. We, we can come up with all kinds of reasons. We can come up... You want me to just to be honest this morning? I was out of town all last week. I got home about 10 after 5 yesterday. And I looked at Denise and I said, why in the world did we plan that thing tomorrow night, tonight? Uh, 45 minutes from right now. <laughs> and I've been driving 8 hours. And uh, I came up here, I had a ball. I was so glad that I was, I could have made any number of excuses. You know, I'm too tired, I've been driving, I've got to unpack. I'm in my feed truck today because my truck's still completely packed. No reason. That's not an excuse. You know what, if we, if we can put aside the reasons and say, you know what, I'm going to be involved. This is a new year, and I'll make a new commitment. I want to be involved in what God is doing. We might be surprised at how much we enjoy each other's company. You might be enjoy. You may look at someone, and every Sunday they're just sitting here, the old frown on their face, just, and you think, boy, that person. You sit down with them, get to know them. You might say, "What? He's laughing inside." Roy says, "You're not smiling." I say, "I'm smiling on the inside." <laughs> you know, I, I, at least we're smiling. We need to get to know people, and 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 there's a million excuses why we can't in 2017. But let's let's set those things aside. And see what God has in store for us. Casting Crown says this. He asked a question. They asked a question. If we are the body, and we're the body of Christ, if we are, if we are His body, why aren't His arms reaching? Or are they reaching? If we're the body of Christ, why aren't His hands healing? And if, if we're the body of Christ, why don't His words teaching? If we're the body, is His feet going? Folks, we are, listen, the body of Christ. We are Christ on this earth today. We are His body. And we're to go as Christ would go. And we're to lead the way as Christ would lead the way. Because we are the body of Christ. Service needs to be a priority. I'd like for you to watch this little video and then we'll close with a word in just a moment. Thank you. 
Rogers, or if you don't remember being involved in one of those events, you've missed out on something this year. And, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being involved and serving the Lord. In 20, next year, when we play this video, make sure that you've been a part of one of these ministries. And I believe if you do, God will bless you for that. Uh, this morning, as we close, uh, I don't know if any of you make New Year's resolutions or not. I don't, because uh, I just break them. But if you do, I want to ask you to make one. Even if you don't make them, if I want to ask you to make one that you'll keep this year to say, you know what? I'm resolved this year to be involved in some ministry at East Delta Baptist Church, whatever it may be. Gwendolyn's got the clothing thing. That's one of the easiest things you can be involved in. It's a blessing. It's fun to be a part of. The IF conference is coming up. That's in February. There's so many things that we have in, uh, in store. Would you make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to be involved in a ministry this year at East Delta. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for this day. I, I thank you for this past year. And Father, even in the, the sorrows and the tragedies and the the things that, that that many families experienced last year and the loss of loved ones and uh, different just financial situations, so many things, Lord. I, I thank you that we can look back uh, in the year in review and we can find many blessings and we can find many things that cause us to smile. And Father, I pray that we as your body would be involved this year in the ministry of this church, whether it be getting with Jeremy and saying, hey, I'd like to make announcements one Sunday. I'd like to be a part of, of helping that, working the soundboard. Our, hey, I want, to be, I want to be part of the IF conference or the, the Harvest Festival or Vacation Bible School or I, I want to be a part of, of the clothing ministries. What, there's so many things. I, I want to start a new ministry and I, I see this need in our community and I want to be a part of, of creating an outreach. Lord, I can't come up with the ideas, but Lord, I know that you saved us and you've given us a purpose and you've given us a gift and you'll place a ministry within our heart. If it's something new we need to do, I pray, Lord, that we'd respond to that. If it's something that's already going on and, and you just want us to join and be a part of it, I pray that we'd be willing to make a commitment to you in 2017 to serve you in some capacity in East Delta Baptist Church, not for our glory, not for the pastor's glory, but, Father, for the glory of God. And, Lord, that we would see great things come from this place as we are your body to this community and even beyond. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. I pray that you'd bless each one as we go from this place, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.